Hi friends, I'm Whiskey Stevens and you're listening to the Grunge Magic Podcast. The episode today is going to get a little bit spooky. (laughs) It is nearing the end of January, but for some reason I wanted to talk ghost stories and strange occurrences and to be honest it's something that I have always found fascinating. Um, I've always kind of gravitated to wanting to hear real ghost stories, you know. Um, So I think it's going to be a regular addition because, let's face it, there's no shortage of spooky stories and there must be something, you know, something going on if so many people have had uh, these experiences. So if you are listening and you have a story that you want to share, you'll be able to leave me a a voice message of your story in my Instagram messages. And you can find me on Instagram under the name Whiskey Stevens. Uh, And the um, tag for my Instagram is Grunge Magic. So either way, uh, you search Whiskey Stevens or Grunge Magic, you'll be able to find me. Um, And I'd love to hear your stories on ghosts, paranormal experiences, strange things happening, um, anything like that. So today we're talking uh, ghost stories, sleep paralysis, haunted houses, and spirits. To start, um, I've actually got two similar stories. And they were both told to me by different people a few years apart, um, who didn't know each other. And I find it fascinating how similar ghost stories can be, you know, they, how similar each occurrence is. And to me, it feels like it kind of just shows that, um, ghosts are real, or at least that's my opinion. Um, so a few years ago, uh, I was asking my boyfriend at the time if he believed in ghosts. And, you know, I wasn't really expecting the answer that I got because at the time uh, we hadn't really discussed a lot of things. Now he's very, very spiritual. And, you know, we've come to realize that he has been spiritual um, and kind of in tune with things his whole life. Um, But he said, you know, when I asked him, do you believe in ghosts? He said, "Uh, I've seen one. So, of course, I was curious. I pressed him to tell me the story because I have not seen a ghost in person in front of my eyes. Um, And he said that when he was younger, he was laying in his bed and the room was dark. You know, he's going to bed and it got really cold in the room. And then there was a man in kind of like an old fashioned fancy clothing and, and a hat. And the man was sitting on the end of his bed. And this scared him so much that he pulled the covers over his head and stayed there uh, until he eventually fell back asleep. Uh, So he would not kind of take his head out of the covers after that. Um, And in the morning, of course, the ghost was gone. And he never saw a ghost that way again. He's never seen a ghost so close ever again. And what was most surprising was that years later at his grandmother's house, they were all going through a photo album, and then the man uh, that he saw, uh, he pointed out it was his great-great-grandfather. 
So that was kind of like a confirmation for him that he he did see the ghost. And then it was like, you know, he was told uh, who it was they'd actually seen. And there was a confirmation in the photographs. And a similar story uh, was told to me by one of my old bosses, um, a man that I used to work for. He was a 55-year-old man, and uh, we used to just, you know, chat at lunchtime. And so he had a daughter, and his daughter had a son. So he was a grandfather. Um, and he said to me that his grandson had been telling his uh, daughter, so the son had been telling his mom, that he had been having a visitor come into his room and play with him at night. And, you know, again, the family thought it was interesting so they got the photo albums out and uh the child saw a photo and said that's him that's the man that's been coming to visit me and it so turns out that it was my boss's brother who had passed away a few years before and this gave my boss some relief and some comfort of course to know that his brother was okay and um apparently was coming to visit so kind of two similar stories to start out with, stories of people seeing ghosts clear as day and then kind of getting that confirmation from the photo albums. Um, so I found, you know, those stories were pretty intriguing. Uh, and I have heard before that when a ghost is around that there is a coldness. Um, and that's what my partner had confirmed as well. And I had questioned him about this, uh, asking, was it really that cold? Um, and he said, yes, that's one of the things that stood out to him, actually. When he was a child, that his bedroom at the time felt like it was freezing. Uh, and one individual uh, actually wrote about feeling a cold spot. Um, and they said, I believe in it. A couple of years ago, my family had a reunion. And we all went to our old home, and we were walking behind the house together, and we all at the same time said, did you feel that? It was a cold spot, and this was in the middle of a very hot July day. We believe it was our parents who had passed away. It was in a small southwest town in Arkansas. Now, uh, these cold spots are interesting, and in this next story, it's kind of an excellent way to transition into talking about sleep paralysis and astral projection. So Mike wrote uh, in his experience, and uh, he says, I lived in a modern upstairs apartment in Houston, Texas in the early 80s. One evening, I heard my cat become suddenly agitated and start screeching and ran away from the bed. She also seemed to be watching something that I couldn't see. I picked her up and carried her back to the bed, holding her, observing her behavior as I sat on the edge of the bed. I tried to calm her down. Her head would follow something that was invisible to me. I laid back on the bed and immediately felt a cold spot that sent shivers down my body and gave me a sense of fear. The cat had been looking at that very spot. I sprang up and let go of the cat, and I tested the spot again, slowly moving my hand and arm into it. 
It felt again that it was very cold, and it seemed stationary, and the further I moved my body into it, the cold increased up my arm. I jerked away and stood up, and I didn't calm down until my cat calmed down. Time passed, and I didn't speak of it, until one day I ran into a friend who I had not spoken to for a long time. I told her, long time no see, and she told me, well, actually, I have seen you. I asked her what she meant, and she said she had gone into my apartment while I was there and laid down in bed with me. And that was my answer to what had happened that day. She had astral projected from about 30 miles away. It was so strange, I couldn't have made it up if I tried. And, um, you know, I used to personally be a skeptic when it came to astral projection. And throughout my life, I was told stories by friends who said they were able to float above their bodies and watch themselves sleep. And, uh, you know, I had been experiencing sleep paralysis since I was about 16 years old. And I've had it randomly a few times over the years. And now I'm 29 years old. And I do understand the scientific explanation that basically says it's a brain glitch between wakefulness and rapid eye movement. Um, but if you've ever experienced it yourself, it does feel strange. And uh, it can at times feel like there is something there in the room with you. Um, and so, of course, the experience itself is frightening as you try to scream for help and nothing comes out. And the last sleep paralysis experience that um, happened to me just happened a few a month ago uh, actually last month and I was in my bedroom and my partner was in the living room at the time and I was sleeping on my stomach and it felt as if there was a wave of energy that uh, was uh, swooping from like my top of my head all the way down to my back and back up again and it also felt like there was something in the room there at the edge of my bed, but I couldn't see what it was um, at the time. And I tried screaming, but nothing was coming out. And I was terrified. And then my boyfriend kind of walked into the room and sat at the side of my bed and began to hold my hand. And I telepathically told him that I was scared, and he basically told me not to worry. But then the strangest thing uh, happened. I heard my boyfriend laugh in the other room at the show that he was watching and realized that whatever was holding my hand was not him. Um, and it was at that moment that I became unparalyzed. And I suppose you could explain that when my boyfriend laughed, I woke up, you know, which caused me to uh, become no longer paralyzed. But it was a very strange experience. Of all the times that I have had sleep paralysis, that was the first time that something so clearly felt like it was in the room with me. Um, and that something kind of was either pretending to be my boyfriend or I'm not sure what that was. Very strange. That same night, I fell back asleep, and I had my first kind of projection experience as well. So I was out of my body, and I was able to walk around my apartment and watch my boyfriend as he slept because he had fallen asleep on the couch. 
and I knew that it was my energetic body walking around the house, kind of as it was. And when I woke the next day, I was exhausted and I was extremely tired. Um, and I am now a firm believer that we are more than our physical bodies and that consciousness as we know it is not inherently linked to the brain, but it's kind of like those near-death experiences where the individual who dies has consciousness even after their brains have stopped functioning. And days after that experience, I remember feeling strange and just thinking about how much I wanted to be free and out of my body again. Um, it was a weird feeling, anyway. So stranger things have happened, um, I, I suppose. Uh, stranger things are real. So I'd love to hear what you, the listener, kind of think about sleep paralysis or astral projection. Um, if you're listening on YouTube, you can comment in, uh, in the comments. Um, so moving on, I've got two ghost stories here that were given to me by a friend in the occult community named Christian, who goes by Atlantean Alchemist. Um, so I'm going to play you the first one. This happened in a trip that I took to Chicago about four years ago, back in 2016. Over there in Chicago, the energy there is very interesting. Like, it feels like very, like, uneasy root chakra kind of energy. Like, you walk around and you feel very uneasy. Um, and it was strange. And supposedly the area of the hotels there are haunted. So I end up going to a hotel, um, and in this hotel, they were starting to remodel the floors, make it look nice. Um, but the one floor that we were on was one of the floors that they did not remodel. On this floor, each night, um, you would hear the sound of someone was sitting on a leather chair and, and kind of like pushing their back against it and that like squeaky sound of like leather you would hear that all throughout the night and the sound of a pen dropping and this was in front of my bed in the hotel um and i found it weird um <laughs> i tried to pray it away <laughs> um this was like when i was um newly pagan so still trying to find my deities the spirits right for me so whatever I was working with at the time, I was like, get this out of here. Um, and at each time, I think it's like six in the morning or five in the morning, the computer in front of where that leather chair is would turn on by itself. I thought maybe it was automatic or maybe my mom was checking the weather. I wasn't sure what was going on there. Um, and so every night, so we were there for about three nights um it would just keep happening and it, you would have this constant pen drop you would have this leather chair um just squeak and me just petrified because i've never had those kinds of experiences and i realized that all those things were not coincidences and they were a similar pattern i don't know whether that was like an aggregore like the energy of a person like the residue left behind or an actual spirit I want to say that it was more like the energy someone left behind that passed just because, um, you know, calling on those, um, like spirits, especially those, like I was working with Hermes at the time. 
Um, if they needed to cross over, they would have already. It was more of a, I don't know, like a wash, rinse, and re repeat situation. So that's the first story. So now with the with the the first story there, before we move on to the second story, what I thought was interesting about Christian's uh, story here was the electronic situation as well. And uh, as we move into more of like a technology-based society, we're kind of in the early stages of it now. It's more increasing. Um, it only, to me, feels like the paranormal activity, the ghosts, whatever energy uh, is around, is going to use these, uh, you know, the technology that we have to... Um, to do things, you know, to send messages or to, um, you know, the energy might be too much for some electronics. And that's maybe why we see lights flickering on and off or electronics not working, uh, things like that. And it does seem like it was an energy that was there kind of doing the same thing on repeat over and over again each night. So now let's hear the second story from Christian. The second story that comes to mind was around, I did like one of my first spells. Um, this was a while back uh, with a friend of mine. We pulled one of these like strange but like oddly powerful sigils from like Tumblr. <laughs> um, this girl, um, I cannot remember her username, but I know she like referred to herself as like the red witch. She has like the best, most amazing sigils I've ever seen. Even to this day, I still think those sigils are awesome. Um, but this particular one um, was about, I believe premonitions and it had like a lot of eye imagery. So as we were doing the ritual, um, it, I think we didn't even cast a circle. That's how bad it was. I know I probably should have done that. But this was like, like just beginning to delve into everything. Like I just read my first witchcraft book. Like, you know, you're going to go through those like beginner errors. So during that time period, um, after we did the ritual, we didn't really see anything except like a bunch of eyes, like visually. Um, then I look over to her closet and I see um, this being that looks like no face. Um, from one of those Studio Ghibli movies. But instead of that no face mask, it was like the mask of like a, one of those carved, um, like scary, like crying women Japanese masks. Um, and that shit freaked me out so bad. I, I was like, what do you have in your closet? I was like thinking she has a dead body in her closet or something with that thing there. It didn't do anything. It was just, um, there like observing us after we did the spell um and then when we tried to get rid of the paper like we tried to burn it and it wouldn't burn um it was a really weird situation um we cleared out the whole space i think we staged the house like i don't know how many times over um nothing came out of that situation it was just uh, a little bit of a scare at that time so what i found interesting about this story 
uh, was uh, something that had similarly happened to my partner. Basically, we had moved, um, but before we moved, our old apartment it was wasn't very good at all. We, you know, we had a leaky ceiling. The landlord wouldn't fix anything, and the energy in the space just didn't feel good at all. It felt increasingly negative, and my partner, before he was going to sleep, was seeing different faces. Um, but they were kind of like half faces, like half of the face was covered. And uh, we were actually just talking about it the other day. And when he did some research, what he said it seemed like to him uh, was something called a Tengu, which is a Japanese demon who primarily, uh, you know, its purpose is to lure people off of the road to enlightenment. And that seemed fitting as well, because during that time, my partner had gone through quite a change. Uh, he had gone through a spiritual awakening of sorts, uh, which had him exercising in the mornings, taking meditative walks, eating healthy, etc. So, um, it seemed to fit. Now, I'm going to turn to something a little bit different before we run out of time here in this podcast episode. Um, I believe that, you know, people who died, unfortunately, either before they were ready or perhaps in a more violent way, that something just um, in some totally unexpected or traumatic way that these people have unfinished business or that they may be unaware of their death or something else happens that keeps them in one place or keeps them haunting for some reason and I can't of course confirm this or prove it but that's how I feel um, and I think that's what happens so I'm from a small town in Ontario and here we have a haunted location that was owned by the Donnellys and the Donnellys were a family that had immigrated here in the 1800s uh, 1840 and they settled on a concession road that has become known as the Roman Line. Now, the Donnellys had some arguments and feuds with other families in the area, and they were accused of burning down someone else's barn. They weren't liked, and they weren't welcomed, I guess you could say. And all the fighting resulted in an attack on the family's home by a mob on February 4th, 1880, which left five of the family members dead and their farmhouse had burned down. So surprisingly though, there were two trials uh, and no one was actually convicted of the murders and information about the Donnellys and the events surrounding their deaths was suppressed locally for much of the 20th century. And this was probably because most of the residents of the area had ancestors who were involved in the murders. And so now, you know, there's been reports of strange activity around the area. Uh, here we do have a large Amish community who use horse and buggy. And we have other people who ride horses. Um, and it has been recorded that horses will not go on Roman line. Around the month of February, it's very difficult to get them to do anything. Uh, and the horses will not pass the Donnelly homestead at all. The horses will start acting up if they are brought onto the property. And this story has been substantiated by former owners of the property. Um, apparitions of all of the family members have been seen in the house uh, that's now on the property. 
as well as staring out of the windows. A sensation of being watched is reportedly frequent in the barn as well as the same feeling from the windows in the house reported by witnesses outside of the house. Uh, objects being moved on their own within the house as well as they disappear and reappear in other places. Phantom footsteps have been reported in the barn as well as a feeling of pressure on witnesses' chests and screams heard inside um, people's heads. Uh, other activity reported such as light anomalies a general feeling of being watched and shadow figures. So that's kind of like a haunted place. And I think that's from the violent um, or traumatic nature of the deaths. And now I suppose one final story. Um, I was given this story by a woman I met two years ago. And for some reason, after a class I was teaching at the time, we hung around telling ghost stories. And I suppose her story kind of isn't a ghost story per se, but it is kind of interesting. Um, now, she lived in a very rural area, and across the road from her house, there was a farmhouse that was occupied by an elderly couple. Um, the couple started spending more and more time inside the home, and the husband had to be hooked up to an oxygen machine. During this time... Crows started covering the yard and resting on top of the roof, and they just stayed. They sort of hung out there, um, and then the wife had to get hooked up to an oxygen machine, and then the husband died, and then the wife died shortly after. So nothing strange at all there, kind of that happens with age, um, but the house was sold, and another older couple shortly after occupied the house. The crows returned, and then this husband had to be put on oxygen, and then shortly after passed away. Now this time, the wife uh, put the property up for sale, and she moved into town. And now, I don't know what has happened with the house, or if it's occupied again, but the woman who shared this story with me thought it was strange as she noted how many crows were around the property and how both couples seemed to succumb to similar illnesses. So is there such a thing as haunted spaces, haunted or ill houses? If you've ever walked into a home or a space that's just immediately felt off or negative, I think you would believe that this story could have a kind of paranormal or supernatural aspect. So, uh, those were all of the stories that I had for you in this podcast. Some things to think about. Uh, some things that really can't be explained. I know that I'm a believer just because of the experiences that I've had, and I trust the people that told me these stories. Um, for most of them, I was able to be there, look them in the eyes. Um, it's very much people are telling you things that they are apprehensive to even tell you because they themselves, you know, before they even share a story such as this, sometimes um, they'll say, don't judge me or don't think I'm crazy. And I don't. I am a believer. 
So again, I'd like to talk about ghosts, strange things, paranormal experiences each week. So if you have a story, you can reach out to me on Instagram. Send me a message uh, and or send me a voice message if you wish. And let me know. I'd love to hear all about um, everything strange and unusual. So stay badass, stay magical, and I will see you again during the next episode of this podcast. It's published every Sunday, Tuesday, and Friday. So I will see you again soon.